We've been studying Romans chapter number eight, and we're going to be there for a while yet. And we've already ran into there the 26th verse last week. If you missed it, you missed one of the pivotal verses in the Bible. Remember, it says the Holy Spirit, when we're praying, helps us. Remember the word helps? Big old long Greek word, sunani lambanotai. Remember it? And what does it mean? It means that so many times we do not know how to pray. And we say something, we're seeking God's mind, God's will for healing, for, for guidance, and whatever the situation might be. And that verse gives us assurance that the Holy Spirit helps, goes over where we are, we don't know exactly how to pray, and takes hold of us, soon means with, Annie on the other side, Lombanota, takes hold of you and me as we're trying to pray and praise on our behalf. And write down this principle. I said it last week. I could say it a thousand times. A thousand times. This is the basic principle. The Holy Spirit helps you and I to pray as you and I would pray if we knew what God knows. Stay with that. Don't say, I got it. No, stay with it. So we pray, and our prayers go up to the Lord, and sometimes we pray in ignorance and stupidity, even though we're sincere. But the good news is we cannot mispray. And then we come to the verse, just a part of the verse we're looking at today that deals with God's will. Hope you have your Bibles with you. Open them if you would, Romans chapter 8. Verse 26, we looked at it last week. Let me restate it. In the same way, the Spirit helps. There's our big old word, goes over where we are, takes hold of our problem, and prays on our behalf. The Holy Spirit helps. The Holy Spirit helps. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. You follow me? Then verse 27, and he who searches the hearts, who searches our hearts? Jesus. Jesus searches our hearts. He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. Jesus knows the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit primarily, remember, is honoring Jesus. Because he intercedes, Jesus, for the saints, according to, there's our phrase, will of God. Don't get lost in that. It's saying God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is involved in all of our prayers. And God the Father and God the Holy Spirit is involved in helping you and I to know what God wants us to do and decide and how we are to live in that particular unique situation that's unique to every single one of us. By the way, I didn't say most unique. That's terrible English. Anything you put ahead of unique is terrible English. Unique means one of a kind, right? That's it. So we see here that when we pray, Jesus searches our hearts because Jesus knows the mind of the Spirit and the Holy Spirit takes our verbiage we're offering to God and it goes again through Jesus as our intersector at the right hand of the Father and out of this comes the will of God. 
revealed to you and revealed to me. Now, let me bring it down a little bit and talk about the will of God, the purpose of God, the plan of God. First of all, the will of God is hidden. There is a hidden will of God. And if you're a theologian, that is under the sovereignty of God. In other words, you say, boy, my life, I heard people say, my life is all messed up. I made a wrong decision when I got married, and I should have done this, and I should have done that. I should have stayed, and I moved, and the grass looked green on the other side. By the way, folks, let me tell you something about green grass. You see cows through the barbed wire fence eating grass over there because they think the grass over there is greener than the grass where he's pastured? Have you ever seen that? Sure you have. What is that cow saying? Boy, I wish I could get through that barbed wire fence and get to all that green grass. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. Every field has beggar lice, cuckaburs, and blighted spots in it. I don't care what side of the barbed wire fence you're on. There ain't no green grass. There ain't no green grass. And therefore, sometimes we're seeking God's will and we realize it is hidden to us. And the hidden part of God's will is a super thing because you and I, follow me, most of the time know that we're in God's will only as we look in the rearview mirror. We look back in the rearview mirror and we say, you know, I didn't know God was there and God led me here and I moved over there. I had no idea what was going on. That's true of every single one of us with a little introspection, with a little backward glance. And I like the the thing that I learned from Leslie Weatherhead. There is God's intentional will, follow me, what God intends for you and me to do in every decision in our life. But we don't always do that. We mess up. We're not perfect, big news. We're not perfect, big news. Therefore, God's intentional will may be for this, but we made some wrong choices, and therefore, now we operate in his circumstantial will, right? But in that circumstantial will, guess what? His ultimate will will be carried out. Somebody said, well, I made a mistake and there's no hope. No, God in Jesus Christ specializes in second chances, third chances as we go through. So his intentional will will be carried out in our life as we walk and live in Jesus Christ. But there is the hidden will of God. And then there is the general will of God. By the way, somebody looking for God's will, do you climb a tree and look to heaven and try to conjure up some emotional feelings or some sign or symbol to find out his will? We look for his will, guess where the first place to look? God's will is found in his word. It's it's right there for us. Psalm 19 says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet Tells us how to walk right now. And a light unto our path tells us how to walk in the future. So let's start with God's Word. Does that seem strange to anybody or peculiar to anybody? No, it's where we start when we determine every choice, every decision we make in life. I'm not talking about whether you go to Safeway or Kroger, by the way. Don't get ridiculous and silly. I see some super pious, whining, whining people that drop back into that. Don't get me there. But I'm saying about decisions we make in life. 
Let's start with the five basic things, five things we need to operate in our life that the Bible tells us is the will of God for every single person on the planet. Okay? Let's start there. That is the general will of God for everybody. Look at it. It is that we be saved. John 640. I wish I could go and execute all these passages, but we want to get home before dark. It is we be saved. And I use the word so many times, salvage. Restored through faith in Jesus Christ for our repentance and receiving him. We are saved. We are saved. We're salvaged. Number two, be filled with the Spirit. When we come to Christ, the Spirit comes in our life, but we leak, so there's a constant thing of saying, Lord, I want to be available for your filling, Ephesians 5. And then we go down the next thing up there. Be sanctified, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. And basically said, that means we are growing up and becoming increasingly pure. Anybody like the word pure? That's, that's a part of growing up in Christ. We get pure. Our motives get right. Our, our background is, we, that's being sanctified. That's growing up in our faith. The next thing is the will of God. We'd be serving. We serve. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a function and an office for everybody here. No matter what your state of life, where you are, sick, well, doesn't matter. We have something everybody here can do. Ministries of prayer, ministries of service, ministry. I mean, it's, it goes out into almost infinity. We all have certain gifts, put them to work. They can be holding the door, they can be cutting. It's a zillion things out there. Just stand up, look around, find a place where you can serve. Now, we have people all the time who come and says, I want to sing a solo. Well, we'll try you out if you can sing. But if you can't, guess what? That's not your gift. And I don't decide that. God decides that by the affirmation of our gifts. So find a place you can serve, whatever it is. We are, if we are seeking the will of God, we have to be using, we have to be serving. Next thing is, look, be suffering. Oh, my goodness, you mean the will of God? I know I only got to be saved, got to be pure and sanctified. And on top of that, goodness, I've got, now I've got to suffer Yes, let me tell you about that suffering. There's a painting called The Straight and the Narrow. Remember Jesus said there's a narrow way that leads to heaven. There's a broad way that leads to hell. There's a painting, famous painting, and it pictures a mountain, and there's a few people on that mountain struggling, climbing, trying to reach the city of God. Oh, they're having a tough time. Then in the same picture, there's a river that's flowing, and there are people all in that river having a great time, and the river is flowing, but you can see in the foreground, those who are in the broad way, they're about to go over a cliff and to destruction and be killed down in the rocks below, but they're just having a big time. This group is climbing that mountain and struggling. You say, boy, that's a good picture. No, it's not. No, it's not. But as Christians, it's not that we're lonely, climbing up a mountain, trying to get to the city of God. But as Christians, here is the broad way where everybody's in that river, but we're in the river. The only difference is we're swimming upstream. And when you swim upstream, you bump into people, and you'll be sure if you walk with Jesus Christ in the 21st century, there's going to be some suffering. 
there's going to be some suffering. So that's the picture. So here there are five things not operating perfectly in our life that we're committed to, we understand. That's the will of God. That's not too complicated, is it? I mean, there they are. What's God's will for my life? Oh, no. Start off with those five. And those five begin to catch fire as the Holy Spirit permeates them. Look at these concentric, concentric circles that we have here. You have the Spirit, and the Spirit is basically the givenness of life in my definition. In other words, that's, that's our instincts, that's our unique personalities, that's that little spirit in you and in me. And then there's the soul, and that's where we make decisions, that's where we move out, that's where we act upon things. And then there's the body, obviously what it is. Now, I believe the spirit and the soul are interchangeably in the Bible. There are other theologians that disagree with that. In other words, we're made in the image of God, and that is his spirit, and the soul comes out as we respond to how we're led by the spirit. But when we come to Christ, the whole person is redeemed, and the Holy Spirit comes almost like a candle that comes in our life. And as we begin to grow and understand that candle is lighted, we come to Christ, and that lighted candle, the Holy Spirit needs to go and deal with the givenness of your life, the bottom of our life, the beginning of our life, and it moves out into our soul, and it moves out into our body, until suddenly we see the whole person of you and me is spirit-filled. That's growing up in Jesus Christ. That's the way to illustrate it. And then we move into the wisdom area of determining the will of God. If these five things are operating and we're growing and the Holy Spirit is leading in your life and my life, guess what the will of God is in any situation? Trust the Lord with all your heart, five things. Lean not upon your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, the operative principle of these five things, and guess what? He will direct your life. And then it becomes any decision, master, Lord Jesus Christ, mission, your calling, your vocation, your mate, your mate. And I see this so many times, people. It's like that girl that was dating six guys named William. You know what she was? A bill collector, a bill collector. So a lot of times, I don't know where to marry this one or to marry this one to go there. Let me tell you something. When the Holy Spirit is offering our life, all of a sudden the wisdom of God comes in our life, and then we begin to go back. Now, we've got the general will, haven't we, for everybody? Now let's get personal. Well, you didn't tell me whether or not I should move or whether or not I should build a house or rent or whether or not, and all the other. Let me tell you how that works. Matthew chapter 7, what does Jesus say that we do? He says simply, ask, you'll receive. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it'll be open to you. That's in our praying we ask. We say, Lord, I know the blank check is there. I know I can leave, but I want to ask you for your leadership and guidance. And when making a big-time decision, take a time out, sit down, listen to God. Listen to God. Ask God and wait. And then you seek. What does that mean? You seek information. 
You go to godly people. You get advice and counsel, and that's when you might make those lists. And you're seeking information about it. And then finally, you knock, and a door may open, the door may close. By the way, just because there's an open door doesn't mean we walk in it. That's God's will. Well, this door opened for me. I was in seminary. I had a professor, Virgil Marfield, my first semester. He taught me homiletics. That's preaching. You could tell he failed in his task. But anyway, he taught me homiletics. And he was a young man, and after class one day, we had a large class, and he came to me. He said, you know, I, I've watched you, and I think maybe you ought to go with my family and I because this is the last semester I'm going to teach in seminary. We're going to Italy as a missionary. And I'd love for you to learn Italian with our family and go with us. I think you'd really be affected. Whew. Man, that's floored me. And I remember what my dad said when I told him I was called by God to work in the church, which was weird to all of my family. I can assure you of that. And my dad said, you're throwing your life away. Nobody's lazier than preachers. My dad believed that. And now, after a while in this ministry, I almost agree with him too. But anyway, he said, look, and then he said, of all things, my mom said, don't go to one of those foreign mission fields. Now, here I was thinking the will of God was something that I didn't know. By the way, the will of God isn't, the most, isn't always the most difficult thing to do. Oh, it must be the will of God because I've got to sacrifice him. No, 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 no. An open door doesn't mean opportunity. A closed door doesn't mean opportunity because we have these things operative in our life, and God gives us wisdom to make decisions. And I waited until I finished seminary. I felt no leadership, but I was willing. I was ready. I'll go to Bangladesh today if I get a clear indication. It wouldn't be a skinny minute like that. So at the bottom line is the will of God, when these things are operating in your life, in my life, he gives us his wisdom, and we're beginning to make good choices because now, remember our verse, the Holy Spirit has picked us up, and when we pray and seek information, the Holy Spirit takes the right prayer to Jesus Christ at the right hand of God, and he interprets the Father, and that kind of praying is answered every single time. Sometimes the answer is no, sometimes it is yes, sometimes it is maybe, sometimes it is wait, but it's always answered. This is how we know the will of God. The Holy Spirit picks us up. Do y'all remember powerful, powerful story of a family? The father and the son were so very close. The father was named Dick and the son was named Rick and Rick was born with a very rare form of cerebral palsy. The son could not use his arms. He could not speak. But through a computer, he was able to communicate. And the son was in high school and another classmate was in an accident and was now paralyzed from the waist down, and so the class decided that they would go and they would run a 10K, get money to follow them, and give money to this family that now had this son that was now paralyzed. And in that class was Rick with cerebral palsy, and he went home and told his dad, you know, he wished he could run in that race, and he'd asked the teacher, and the teacher said, 
the dad could run on his behalf if he would. And so the father, Dick, remains the way to get on a cart and to run with his son in the cart, that 10K to raise funds. That began a ministry for the father, Dick, and the son, Rick. In the next couple of decades, they ran in 62 or three marathons, the father taking care of the son, and they ran in over 155 or six triathlons. A triathlon, you swim for almost three miles, you bike for almost over 100 miles, and then you run a 26-mile race triathlon. They did about 150 or 60 of those over a couple of decades. And the son said, Dad, with his computer, he couldn't talk. When we're running together, I feel that I don't have a single disability. The Holy Spirit picks us up, and we've got some pictures of father and son in one of these races, in two or three of these races. Look at it. <laughs> 